Hello, Solomon, David, and Mikey. This is the Kevin Mutombo. You have a podcast, your show, Sporting DSM. It's Solomon here. David. And welcome back to Sporting DSM. Today, uh, we have with us our Phoenix Suns correspondent, David Jolovitz. And we have our Denver Nuggets correspondent with us, Matthew. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing Good, well. Excited for, the, excited for the game in uh, around an hour. Hopefully we'll uh, see a nice Nuggets win over the Blazers. Very good. I like I like the enthusiasm. Great to have you both back here. Uh, so the playoffs have begun, and uh, the finalists for the end of season awards have been announced. So let's talk about the uh, the awards first. Uh, so the MVP, MVP. You got uh, Nikola Jokic, Embiid, and Stephen Curry. Let's talk about Stephen Curry. Okay, Stephen Curry as an MVP candidate. I, I think at this point it's impossible to consider him a candidate because he's not in the playoffs. I mean, you know, he 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 got the eighth seed. He in, in the standings, the Warriors got number eight, but then they lost to the Grizzlies in the playing tournament. This is why I, I I hate the playing tournament because in the Warriors in the regular season had the edge, and like the. The Grizzlies had 72 games to catch up to the Warriors. You couldn't do it in 72 games. You got to take that that cheap shot, that one game, that one and done win. Well, two and done, really, because they played two games. But it, it, it bothers me. The playing tournament just bothers me so much. And, you know, it, it's, it's not just that reason that Curry, I think, shouldn't be considered for the MVP. I think... It also, it's the assists, it's the rebounds, it's it's the percentages, it's the success that Embiid and Jokic just have so much more of than Curry. It's it's an astronomical difference. What do you guys think? Do you think Curry should be a finalist for the MVP? So, uh, can I actually touch on one of your earlier points about the playing tournament? Go ahead. No, I think we all remember what happened in the bubble. How the eight games we saw the Phoenix Suns go eight and out. So I do agree that it is kind of frustrating, but you do have to acknowledge that it is a shortened season and anything can happen. There's extra, it's 10 extra games, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're missing out on normally. Yeah. So the yeah. Suns went eight and zero and almost made the bubble. You never know. Maybe the Warriors could have gone five and five. Grizzlies could have gone 10 and zero. So it definitely is frustrating, but the Warriors ended up losing three straight games. They had all the chances in the world to make it into the playoffs. So I very much agree with your point about Steph Curry. I don't think he deserves it. He put up some amazing numbers, but it was a little bit too late and he's not in the playoffs in addition to what you were saying about assist and rebounding. But I do have to disagree and say that I actually kind of like the playing tournament. I just think in a normal 82 game season, it shouldn't be there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What do you think, David? David Jalovitz. So I I like the, I have mixed feelings initially about the playing tournament, but I like it. It gives a little bit of a March Madness feel to it. I think that it, it accomplishes its mission in, in getting the people who are in the fold, not, not as having the worst record, but kind of just outside the, the, the playoff picture. It gets them involved. I think it, it kind of it makes things exciting. So I'd like to give it another year and see what it looks like. I just think that with COVID and people getting knocked out for medical you know, reasons, mine, unless you're LeBron, um, with, with such a, trivia, a tricky COVID protocol, 
with, with a, a poorly timed injury or poorly timed COVID incident, you can lose your best player. You lose the, you know, all, all your season's worth of work. Regarding Stephen Curry, I think you'd have to consider him as a finalist. He's got no one to pass to, hence the five assists. Otherwise, he'd maybe have seven or eight. And the guy is scoring all these buckets from 50 feet away. He's not, he does, he's not a seven-footer with his, with his back to the basket. He, he's really a, not on a great team. And he, he really, the offense runs through him, and he's a tremendous asset. I think he's a finalist. Yeah, and, wow. and he is the asset, like, on that Warrior team. He's yeah. got no one else to work with, really, let's be honest. He really doesn't have anyone to work with. He's, he's triple-guarded. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. quadruple-guarded. Yeah. <laughs> and still putting up 32 and not shooting it from six feet away like yeah. a bead would, but, but, but shooting it from 36 feet away, 30 feet away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he, he's phenomenal. I, I think he's absolutely incredible. But you have to take into account the team's success and they didn't make the playoffs. They so did Son, not let me make ask the playoffs. Yeah. If Curry puts up 41 points a game this season, he, let's just say he averages 41, seven and nine, but they just missed the playoffs. You're not going to give it to him? No, no, I'm not. I won't because I don't care how many, look, he got the scoring title, 41 points per game. That's the scoring title. It's not the MVP. It's not uh, but, but it would mean that most of the offense runs through your team. It takes offense to win a game. It, it just Essentially, the playoffs could mean that you have no one around you. It's not a one-man sport. Uh, yeah, look, the, the playoffs what mean that you have team success. Your team got to a point of success where you're in the top eight teams in your conference. And Steph... You know, the fact of the matter is, at, at the end of the day, after the playing tournament, after all of it, he's not in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I don't care if it was 10 games that decided it or one. That's that's the way it happened. That's the way it came out. And, you know, he had one game, he had one game to prove himself. And, yeah, he proved. I know he proved himself. I know he's he's a, a, a phenomenal 39. player. He had one game to get into the playoffs, and he lost to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies. To, uh, what what are the Grizzlies been doing this season? The Grizzlies. Uh, you know, who watches the Grizzlies? Does anybody watch the Grizzlies this season? This season, last season, yes, John Morant was phenomenal. This season, he he's not so phenomenal. He's not. So what, what, what are you doing losing to the Grizzlies? What are you doing? Well, he has, he's got the, the Warriors have nobody on their team. You have Draymond, who's far past his prime, and then a bunch of other guys, yeah. a bunch of egg avatars. It's, I mean, these guys are all like, you know, not even touching their prime, any of these guys. I think they'll be good in the future. The Warriors certainly have a future, but, but right now it's Steph and the boys. Yeah. You can't fault them for that. The rest are all egg avatars. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think even with that said, Steph being the only guy on that team, I think he's still not an MVP guy for me uh, because you look at 2018 LeBron James, the man carried his team to the finals. He still didn't win MVP. Who won at that team? Right? He, uh, 2018 MVP uh, was uh, James Harden. 2018 mm. was James Harden. He still didn't win MVP. They didn't give it to him. He was the only guy on that team. It was LeBron and the boys. 
you know, if LeBron in 2018 is not winning MVP, then neither is Curry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And yet LeBron, he should have. And yet know, he yeah. should have. So it might not be a referendum on LeBron, but LeBron should have in 2018, having been the best player. Maybe. Now, again, it's, what happens is they don't like to vote the same guy too often. They like to mix it right. up a little bit. Yeah. You know, not yeah, everybody gets back-to-back awards. Like, like uh, you know, Ben Simmons in Rookie of the Year. I think he's a four- or five-time winner. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, No. nobody gets tired of him. They always just give him the Rookie yeah. of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> they, like I slide in here with some advanced stats to prove why Curry shouldn't be even a finalist. What do you got for us? So I'm looking at uh, the box, the uh, winchers per 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you have a few people you'd expect at the top. Jokic leading by far, 0.301. The league average mm-hmm. is 100. Um, Joel Embiid's next, 0.266, which is still a steep drop-off. But I want you to guess, where do you think Curry is on this list? He's not He's not number three. He's not number three. He's, he's not uh, number three. Not number 10 either or number 15. Wow. He's 15 behind. Oh. Nine points behind Montrezl Harrell. He's behind Jonas Valentikunis. How we pronounce his name? Ivica Zubak. And his Cantor. Chris Boucher is 15. And then you have Seth Curry at 16. And in the beginning, you have Jokic. You have Embiid, Butler, Gobert. And this Cantor was a bench player for half the season. Wow. I mean, that's just... What does the eye test say, though? Yes, the eye test says yes. If you're basing it off the eye test, then yeah. You have one that picks up a triple yes. team 37 feet out. Yeah. And with no one to pass to. Yeah, you're right. He's, you know, when you watch him, he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. You're watching him, he's phenomenal. He scores a lot. He's incredible. He's incredible. Uh, fa- yeah, I'm not saying he's not. A, he's a fan favorite too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that Absolutely. also factors in. So. That's, yeah, that's the big thing. He's incredibly he's influential. Right. Look, I mean, yeah. basketball he, is all like, about spacing. It's all about spacing. If you don't have space, you're not going to, nothing's going to happen. Passes don't fly. Shots are not going to go in. So if you don't have the teammates, look, you have other teams where the Nuggets have, you know, one through five, they're pretty good. The Sixers, one Mm -hmm. through five, they're pretty good. The Warriors have one and then five, 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 five. (laughs) No, you're right. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Okay. Yeah. But the MVP award, uh, Enough about who's a finalist. I think we can all agree that Nikola Jokic is the clear winner. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Nikola Jokic is the clear winner. No need to even. I don't uh, think we should elaborate even elaborate on, that. on yeah. it. Yeah. That, that's okay. it. Nikola Jokic is the winner of the MVP. That's it. And that's <laughs> the episode. Bye. Solomon signing off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, defensive player of the year. This is a tough one. This is a tough one for me. Oh, my. Uh, David Salama, defensive player of the year. Who, who's your defensive player? The finalists, finalists are Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, and Rudy Gobert. David Salama, go ahead. Who, who's your defensive player of the year? Oh, um, you know, I'm, I'm like in the middle of uh, Rudy Gobert and Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same. But I don't know. I, I, I think it's probably going to be Ben Simmons for me. I feel like he, he, can, he can guard more than just, uh, you know, the four or five. I think Gobert is just limited to, you know, the four – and five, uh, you know, Ben Simmons could, uh, he could play the four and he can guard the four. Um, he's just also bigger. Uh, I don't know anything about, you know, statistics and I don't know how, you know, how, how he's doing in terms of stats, but I, um, I think just based off of, you know, who he could guard and how big he is uh, for me, it's, for me, it's Ben Simmons. And I mean, I'm tired of seeing Rudy Gobert winning it every time, you know, it's annoying. Yeah. I want to see a new face. So yeah, it's Ben Simmons for me. Yeah. The way I see it, you know, Rudy Gobert is a good rim protector. 
you take him out to the uh, to the perimeter, he's gonna get beat every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. Draymond Green, Draymond Green is the opposite. He's a good perimeter defender, but he's too short to defend the rim. Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons gives you the best of both worlds. He'll steal yeah. the ball on the perimeter, and he'll meet you at the rim. I think that's why Ben Simmons is the defensive player of the year. Yeah, and, and one more thing to add in. I mean, we know this with Rudy Gobert. He'll like, you know, he'll play good defense for a good quarter or two, and then uh, he, he won't like stay consistent throughout the game. Like, I remember there was one game where Jared Allen was giving him a hard time back when he was on the Nets. He couldn't, he yeah. couldn't even hold him down. Um, and like, he's just not consistent throughout the game. Like, you know, he'll have a good, uh, you know, def- he'll have a good one, two, three defensive plays, but he won't like, you know, do it throughout the whole game. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. What do you guys think? You guys touched on everything, honestly. Um, I think Rudy Gobert is amazing. But obviously, voter fatigue is a thing. I think that if you win the MVP year, or not MVP in this case, defensive player of the year, I think you kind of have to elevate your game to another level. And number one, I just don't really know if we saw that. Look at Giannis right now. Giannis is having an amazing season. I have firmly believe he should be a finalist over Curry and he's not. And I think a big reason why is because he won MVP the last two years and he was great. He was just like he always is, but he didn't surpass that. And I think Gobert is the same way on top of that. Like you said, he doesn't, he's inside and he does an amazing job inside. But what happens when the ball is on the perimeter? Obviously you have a guy like Draymond Green. It's exactly what you said, Solomon. You have a guy like Draymond Green that could guard the perimeter. You have a guy like Rudy Gobert that can guard the inside. And you have Ben Simmons with his athletic ability, who's both. The only thing is, Simmons did miss a few games, but I still firmly believe that it should be him over Gobert. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, what's your take? David Jalovitz. Yeah, I mean, I like what you guys say. I, 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 Solomon, I think the point is valid, especially when the Suns play him. We just seem to panic, and a lot of the shots, even if they're not blocked or altered, Gobert has such tremendous wingspan. He really does clog up the paint. However, in 2021... The basketball game is played like by the three-point arc, so he only affects X number of percentage of the shots. I would love to see the statistic to see what the average kind of on-ball defense assignment for Simmons would be per game. Like, what's the average? Like, what's the average opponent averaging right. against him? Is he the Darrell Revis of basketball? And if that is true, I mean, if he really is like such a, if he chokes him out like that, it would be incredible because when when Simmons came over from LSU, he was considered almost a Pete Maravich type known for his dramatic passing and his offensive skills, not his three point shooting, but just otherwise his offensive driven mind. And now here he comes in as a defensive specialist. Yeah. Really you have quite the transformation. Right. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, in the previous years of his career in the NBA, uh, his shooting weakness has been exposed so much that this season he decided to, take a, t- a step in another direction. He decided to become a more defensive-minded player. And I, I think it really helps his game. I think it, it, he's a better player for it. Uh, and and I, I love to watch him steal the ball than, uh, you know, have a wide-open look from three and not take it. You know? Right. And I think it's also interesting to consider really solid defense in the point guard position. We know that offense, and I'm, and I'm in love with the point guard position from an offensive standpoint, but when you're able at his size to clog up the number one position and prevent, you know, really good penetration to the court and, and any type of kick out or even three-point contestation, it's interesting. It, it's, it's a nice twist on the DPOY award. It's not just, oh, can you block a shot? 
if that's the case, then maybe Miles Turner should be a candidate. Yeah, it's it's interesting to note that like over the last twenty years, uh, a center has won fourteen of those Defensive Player of the Year awards. So that's you know pretty interesting, no? Yeah, but the game's moving away from the basket, so the defense outside yeah. of it is also becoming more important. Right. That's true. But yeah, 14, 14 is high. Yeah, wow. Uh, okay, so Coach of the Year, Tom Thibodeau, Monty Williams, Here we Quinn Snyder. Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, you, you're probably the most unbiased one here. So <laughs> go ahead. Who's your Coach of the Year? One day it's going to be pretty upset with me. One day it's going to be pretty happy right now. And I came on the podcast last time. I supported Monte Williams, and I got to stick by it. Monte so you're, you're welcome, David Jolovitz. I'm sorry, David Slovitz. Okay, I just I just want to say one thing that on Friday night, Matthew and I were having this discussion, you know, and I was just I was very disappointed. I was, you know, I was telling him. Look at what Monty Williams has to work with. I mean, sorry, look at what Tom Thibodeau has to work with and compare it to what Monty Williams has, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's all I'm going to say, and that's, like, that's 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 all I'm going to say. That's it. And that's why I think Tom Thibodeau should win it. So I, I think you're all. definitely right, but at the same time, look at it. Yeah, obviously I'm biased. But look at a team like the Nuggets. They have had injury after injury <laughs> after injury, and Mike Malone's been able to adjust. So I think adjusting is a really big part, adjusting to the players around you, adjusting to who's available. But I don't think that's everything. And I think Thibodeau does a better job than anybody because you're right. David was telling me that they have Julius Randle, dot, dot, dot. There's nobody else that's really that talented. And look at what people projected Randle to be doing this year. Nowhere near where he is right now. So all the kudos in the world to Thibodeau. I think in a normal year, he probably would win it. But Monty Williams has just gone above and beyond taking a team that even with a historic bubble run didn't even make the playoffs and bringing them all the way to the two seed in what I believe is way more competitive in the West than the East. So all the props in the world to Williams. I love Thibodeau, but I just can't give it to him this year. I want to hear David Jalovitz's take Yeah, on this. David Jalovitz, go ahead. What do you think? I mean, at, at the risk of like mailing in or turning in my son's fan card, um, I think when you look at the statistics, look, and, and, and the West path, for absolutely, because it's stacked like one through 12. Those, you have like 10 solid, you know, really good teams in the West, the West Conference. I think that Monty has, it's almost been a little bit of a slow burn. They drafted Booker and they drafted around him and they the Suns kind of built in the right way. Then when they added essentially a coach on the floor, that's when they, they stepped up. So it's, it's been a, a process that almost kind of predates, predates Monty. And he just, he was the pastor in the church. And then, and then, uh, he, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Paul is, is, is the coach on the floor. When you look at what Thibodeau has done as far as defensive statistics, and it's not a sexy stat, and it's not a way to play for most teams. He has tightened those bolts and they have played. I mean, their statistics are unbelievable. And Kirk Goldsberry of ESPN has um, Julius Randle as the most improved shooter in the NBA this year, percentage-wise, and as far as even the shots that he's taking. So I think you'd have to give it to, I think you'd have to give it to Thibodeau for, for the size of the ball he's able to influence and how fast it's happened. Like a dynamite stick, it's just exploded in New York, where where the Phoenix thing has has been a slower burn. Yeah, wow. that, that's David, the biggest thing that stands out. It's David Salama, like it, now now tell us why your coach of the year is Monty Williams. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I just think that like the the way he just came in, so you know he, he came in and said, "This is the way we're going to play basketball," and the Knicks just bought into it, and they did it. All in one season. This was so unexpected. The Knicks shattered expectations. 
I mean, and, and I still can't get over how fast he was able to do it. I don't know how, uh, you know, at first when we hired him, everyone was saying, you know, he's, he's going to, he's going to hurt these young guys and uh, it's, it's going to kill their development, but it was the complete opposite. They're, they're flourishing now. And I think that um, he definitely deserves it. I don't know. I, I just look, I, I get it with, 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 with how far the Suns came, but I mean, the Knicks were just able to do it all in one season. The Knicks haven't made the playoffs since 2013, and now they're in the fourth seed playing the Hawks tomorrow. So, I, don't, I mean, I, like I said, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. I was, no, I, I was just saying that, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm glad to see that the Suns are in the second seed flourishing. But, like, the, the, the Knicks, I mean, the Knicks were, like, what, 13th, 14th place last season. Um, and it was just all – it just all happened in once. I, I can't get over the timing. The timing is insane. You know, if this were to happen in one, two, three seasons, then, yeah, I'd get it. But, like, it happened real quick, real quick. So, yeah. Yeah. I think when you look at the role of the coach, so if you were the Suns coach, if you were handed those keys to the car, you got a booker, you need space, shoot it. You know, you love, you have a great mid-range game. Chris Paul was the most, the highest percentage shooter within the mid-range games in the entire league. So, you know, you shoot it there too. And then you've got the, you know, you've got your, your, your wings kicking out and, and creating space and Aiden's download. It's an easier game plan. But what Thibodeau has been managed to do is actually play like an, a, a late 80s, early 90s style of basketball in a league that doesn't accept it anymore. So he's implemented it where he's he's almost like Belichick in the sense that he's so far against the grain and yet it's it's turned out successful. That to me is a unique skill set that he brings to the table where Monty is more of a game manager coach, more of a personality locker room type guy. I think that's where he wins the players, you know, off the court. He's not really a great X's and O's guy. Yeah, and he right. hasn't been able to have – and one more thing, Aiden is not really – even though his numbers look okay, his his attempts are down actually, and he hasn't taken a step up. And that's where Monty needs to step up as a coach, is to develop that number one overall player, and he hasn't done it yet. Yeah, you know, the Suns are the second seed in the West, and the West is definitely more competitive than the East. But I, I think there's no way we can give it to anyone but Tom Thibodeau. Uh, because yeah, I, I agree with David Jalovitz. You said that he's the pastor. Matty Williams is a pastor in the church. You know, all, some of the stuff predates him. And uh, and you got Chris Paul. And, and you know, if we could give Coach of the Year to a player, I'd give it to Chris Paul. But you know, <laughs> because I I think this is a lot of his work. And uh, yeah, by the I, way, that, that, that's an award that DSM gave to John Morant last year. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but. And yeah, Aiden, he's got to step up. You know, his attempts, like you said, are down. Uh, so Tom Thibodeau came into to the Knicks organization and he immediately changed the culture. That's not an easy thing to do. He immediately turned the franchise on its head. They were at the bottom. Now they're up at the top. They have home court advantage in the playoffs. Not only are they in the playoffs, they have home court advantage in the playoffs. So he took the team from a losing team to a winning team. Okay. And the Suns, the Suns were not in the playoffs, but they weren't a losing team. They were not a losing team. They won their games. They, they, they had that eight and zero run in the bubble. They, you know, they were close to the playoffs last season. They were under not quite there. And what Monty's done is he's he's just helped fertilize the soil and, and what, what has been planted years ago exactly. with, with the addition of one key player. 
I mean, look, you, you put you put Paul in the Knicks and they're going to be a second seed in the East. Mm-hmm. Right. Possibly. Yeah. You know, so it's an interesting thing, but it's it, I think it's a close one. But I think Thibodeau should walk away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Plus, he scares me more. <laughs> right. Monty, I can take in a fight. <laughs> if you vote for Monty, Tom Thibodeau is going to come for you. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk about rookie of the year. Finalists are uh, Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, I believe, and uh, Anthony Edwards. Uh, Matthew, who's winning Rookie of the Year in your opinion? What do you think? So obviously, I'm biased. I think ESPN's been feeding me the Kool Aid, but I kind of got to go with Lamelo. <laughs> Just uh, he, he did miss a lot of time, which I think definitely hurts his case. But any moment he's on the floor, Hornets are a completely different team. They're not at all the same without him, and I think that's just a huge testament to his character and what he's going to be in future years. And I think it would be completely clear-cut if he didn't miss all that time, but just look how effective he was from the second he joined the league until the second after. So I kind of – you just got to go with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. David Jollis, I know you like Anthony Edwards. What do you think? you think uh, he deserves Coach of the Year? Coach of the Year? Uh, Yeah. No. The coach of the year. <laughs> no, coach of the year is going to Chris Paul, rookie of the year. Sorry. Oh, not he did, he did. But both no, of them deserve year. like accolades for their interview skills. Just it's it's fun to watch. <laughs> um, I don't I mean the, Matthew makes a great point because he he might be the most electrifying player to watch already, in my opinion. I mean Westbrook is Westbrook and you've got LeBron doing his thing, but Lamelo can do things that I he's got the he's got the ball on a string like a yo-yo. You know, yeah. his, his full court passes, even players that are, are typically routine, he makes none. Edwards, with his couple of 40-point games, really be, kind of began to turn my my attention toward his and his, you know, him and his play. Um, but I think Lamella has more of an effect on the team, honestly. I think even in the, in the locker room and on the court and the style of play in which they do, I think he's more influential. I think Edwards will have a phenomenal career, ball too. But for now, I think Lamello takes it. He should at least. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with both of you guys. I, I think Lamelo Ball is is uh, is just more fun to watch. Also, I mean, I don't know about the stats, but uh, uh, so how? T- so I, I'm I don't know how this works. So the Rookie of the Year, do fans vote in for it, or is it like, um, is it like voted out throughout the, the NBA? How does it work? Uh, I think it's the NBA executives. Okay, work. so. So if the NBA executives want to count, you know, the, the games that he missed, then I, it, it's probably going to go to, it's probably going to go to Anthony Edwards, but uh, mm-hmm. if they don't want to look at it, then it should go to LaMelo Ball because if you want to compare uh, with, if you want to compare like LaMelo Ball when he was healthy to Anthony Edwards, it's obvious that the choice is going to be LaMelo Ball, right? So I'd go with LaMelo Ball if we're not looking at his injuries. If you want to look at his injuries and say, yeah, he missed time and, you know, Edwards popped off and his odds are, you know, his odds dropped. Then, yeah, it goes to Anthony Edwards. But in my in my eyes, it, it should 100% go to LaMelo, regardless of the injury and regardless of the time missed. Now, here's what yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I'm waiting for you. LaMelo Ball passes the eye test, definitely passes the eye test. He gets the numbers. Uh, I, I, he's already had, I think, a few triple doubles. Uh, he, he's, he's at point guard. He does everything, 6'8". He's a great passer. He can score. He is the best rebounder on his team. And I think there are two things we got to look at. First off, he missed a lot of time. I think he should be penalized for that. Even though it's not his fault, it was an injury, whatever it was. 
I think we got to take that time into account and <laughs> hold that against him. Now, Anthony Edwards, I, I think Anthony Edwards is very underrated. Anthony Edwards is uh, breaking records. He has broken some records, uh, some franchise records, some NBA records. He's, uh, and he's 19. He's a teenager. A- Edwards is a teenager. You know, nobody else is doing these things at 19 years old. And he's, he's dunking on people. He probably has the dunk of the year. Uh, you know, I-, I think what Edwards does goes unnoticed too yeah. much you know yeah i, I and, think so edward shot himself in the foot with his very cold start mm-hmm, he right. had he had a lot of like four for 15 yeah. games five for 20 games and he just yeah. he had the confidence to keep shooting but because of that and because Lamelo started off like such a flash in the pan i mean he was just so dynamic Lamelo jumped out to the early lead but i think because of recency bias because he was hurt and by the way i think Lamelo was back faster than i would have expected as a primary ball handler with a wrist fracture he came back faster than I thought he would have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't believe he actually played the season again. But I yeah. think that because he's just an NFL safety playing basketball and taking people's souls out of their chests as he's dunking, uh, he, I'm excited to see exactly what he does next year with a little bit more space. But um, is there a chance they might win Co? I mean, does that happen very often? Can they both step aside with some hardware? Really? I've never heard of that before. That's possible? Oh, wow. Co? I mean – Rookie of the year. I think if there's ever a line to be drawn, it's one is more of a score first type of guy. One is more mm-hmm. of a move the ball first type of guy. Right. I think it's, it's, it's pretty close. It's like it splitting is. hairs to be yeah. honest. Maybe we'll see what happens. I mean, they, they both got a great case. They both got a great case. Uh, just, so, uh, just a slide in at the end, if you don't mind, I know you guys yeah. have all been talking about the eye test a lot, but just listing off their stats for the year. So Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards left the pack with 19 points per game. But 4.7 rebounds and 2.9 assists. Halliburton, 13 points, 3 rebounds, 5.3 assists. And then Lamelo, 15.7 points, 5.9 rebounds, 6.1 assists. So he's really not that far behind uh, Edwards in points. And he more than makes up for it with his amazing rebounding and assisting ability. He's just an all-around player. And I think that when you look at a player, you can't just look at points per game. Obviously, Curry would be the MVP. And we all disagree with that. If that's the case, so I think looking from a statistic, well-rounded perspective, it's Lamelo in the lead, and nobody's even close. And we've all been talking about the eye test, how he passes it. So I think those two things combined, there's no way you don't give it to Lamelo. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think I think it's down at 19 because for the first month or two or three, he was like at 15 points a game. He wasn't putting up phenomenal numbers, but halfway through the season, he turned around. I think the last like two three months, he was averaging 24 points a game. Wow. So he yeah. was he's definitely been moving into his own. Go ahead. Yeah, and to David's point, he, he said that like right when the season started, he just he just like jumped right in, you know, and he was he was balling. So uh, and Anthony Edwards was just still you know feeling it out. He he started off really cold, and the Wolves weren't doing well. But Lamelo was just all over House of Highlights and Sports Center, and all you saw was Lamelo Ball, Lamelo Ball. So I mean, I, I think I think he wins it, guys. I think he wins it regardless of you know the time he missed. I think that if he doesn't win it with the greatest announcer hype man in the history of <laughs> modern day sports, it's 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 a travesty. Lamelo, <laughs> Miles Bridges, how do you do? <laughs> oh, diddly D. By the way, he is my pick for MVP for the season. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else. Agreed. Executive of the year. I don't care about Jokic. It's the Hornets announcer. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Hornets announcer. 
Okay. Uh, oh my Terry too. <laughs> By the way, Solomon, that's your next cameo for your birthday. We're gonna yeah. get him. <laughs> <laughs> but he needs to start doing games nationally. And now that Lamelo yeah. is in Charlotte, I think he will be. But but he he's got to start doing. I guess it's a contractual thing with TNT and ESPN. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, that guy is amazing. Uh, it's a shame we can't see him in the playoffs. See, I- <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you know, I I was thinking, you know, they they should replace Marv Albert with this uh-huh. guy. With the, yeah, yeah. Marv Albert's retiring anyway. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Marv like, Albert's claim to fame is just a good yes. You know, he just yeah. had that famous yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the playoffs. Eastern Conference, round one. Philly versus Boston. Who you got? How many games? Matthew, go. Philly versus Boston. Uh, Philly, did I Boston? No. Boston and Brooklyn. Philly versus Washington. I'm sorry. Philly versus Washington, round one. How many so, games? If you asked me this two weeks ago, I would say easy sweep. Mm-hmm. And I think easy, easily, like Philly's going to win. It's not even close. You're playing against a two man team in Washington. It's just Beal and Westbrook. But Westbrook has elevated his play to such a ridiculous level. To the point where him getting a 20-15-15 night is considered normal. I think that he's just so dominant. He's a one-man wrecking crew. And when you pair him with Beal, it's insane. But you're also going up against Ben Simmons, who we all believe will be the defensive player of the year. Joel Embiid, the likely guy to finish second in MVP voting. And you have just a much more well-rounded one-to-five team. you got players like Tobias Harris also that are lethal. And I think that I'll give them one game. I think it's going to be a five-game series. And as much as I respect Westbrook and love watching the Wizards, I just don't think they can do it against the, what I honestly believe is the top team in the East. Yeah, Philly's really good. Really, really good. Let's not forget they have – Philly has Tybo. And, and he's, he's, he's a dark horse for, you know, DPOY for next season because he's got those long arms and really plays on ball a lot. He's tremendous. He, he was a good – Fantasy pickup every here and you know every now and then for his uh, stealing ability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His uh, waiver guy. Yeah. I. I think this is going to be an absolute sweep. I, I don't think the Sixers are going to give him a- anything. Sixers aren't going to give him anything. Not one game. Not. Not. Not nothing. This is a two-man team they're playing against. You stop Beal. Not even Westbrook. Right. You, you know. You stop Beal. You stop Beal. You won the game. That's, well, that's, and, and, and Beal's already slowed down because he had a hamstring injury going into the end of the season. There and you if go. you've ever had a hamstring injury, that's your posterior chain. It limits your explosiveness, and there's no way that he's 100%. Mm-hmm. I was watching yeah. the play-in games, and you can see that he's operating. It looks like it's 70 80%. Right, yeah. And, and the Sixers can definitely take advantage of that. They can definitely use that to their advantage. Slow him down, stop him, just stop Beal. That's it. That's yeah. all they need to do. One man. And they can score him. And the Sixers can score. Absolutely. Seth Curry is shooting at a crazy rate. Yeah. And, you know, the Wizards are not a good defensive team. They're not. They're a horrible defensive team. Uh, Why? They usually hold opponents under 140 points. The Wizards? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 140, yeah. <laughs> Solomon bought that for a second. He goes, oh, wait, yeah. the Wizards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. How about the Nets? How, how many points do they hold their oh, opponents? Okay. <laughs> I think the Nets are a little bit better on offense than the Wizards are. That I don't think we're really talking about bit, right? two, three equal teams. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how about the Nets? Nets versus Celtics. Nets are playing Boston. Uh, who you got? 
how many games? David Salama. Uh, that's a good question. So I honestly see the Celtics winning one game, maybe, maybe two, maybe two, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I do see the Nets like giving up a game or two because you, you, we, we speak about this all the time, but their defense just isn't there really. Uh, it's, it's a huge weak spot. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I see the Celtics pulling a game or two away, but I honestly see the Nets winning it. I mean, it's, it's obvious. They both, both teams do share, um, you know, uh, a problem and it's, a, you know, a lack, the lack of a good big man. They don't really have a good big man. And DeAndre Jordan isn't, you know, great. The Tristan Thompson on the Celtics isn't great, you know, so when the Nets, you know, move on past the Celtics, you're going to see them struggling uh, at that center position. Um, but I, I, at the end of that, I do see the Nets beating them with the Celtics winning like one, maybe two games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matthew, what do you think? I got to disagree. Obviously, the Nets win, but I think it's an easy sweep. I think all season, we've all been anxious to watch the big three on the Nets. And I could be wrong, but it's, I believe, what, like three games with the entire starting five or like seven games with the starting five. All the healthy. Nets, Nets yeah. had eight, eight games in total. Okay, I was healthy. close. I was really close, but that's ridiculously low. And somehow they're still the second team in the East and they're still beating everybody. And it's not even close. And I believe, I could be wrong, but I think Harden's healthy. I think Joe Harris is day to day, but he's still going to play. And you got Durant and Kyrie, if Kyrie chooses to play, I think mm-hmm. that's always up in the air. But I think we're finally going to see a healthy team. And the fact that they've been so successful without like you said, eight games with an entire starting roster just shows that they're going to be next level dominant. And I really see a clean sweep because I just don't know if the Celtics have the firepower to match up. You know, and, and it's, it, I'm honestly, I, I think I'm going to take back what I said before, because you're right. I mean, they don't have, the Celtics just don't have enough because I mean, now Jalen Brown going out, I don't know if Tatum is going to be able to handle Durant, Irving, and James Harden. So um, I think with Jalen Brown back, if if you were to be playing, then yeah, I, I do see them winning a game or two. But now that you say that, you do have a point. Uh, so it's probably it probably will be a clean sweep. So yeah. Well, then I'll slide into I'll slide into David Salama's old position. I'll say they're going to take one. I think Boston's a very interesting place to play. I think the fans are rowdy. I think they'll really. Ca- I don't know what the capacities are in Boston. Um, but I think that if they're allowed to have 50 or 60%, I think it's enough juice to drive like a 51 point Tatum outing where Marcus Smart has 30. And I think they, they steal one. I do. I think it goes five. And I think that this might be a little bit of a bump in the road for the Nets where they can start getting serious. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think it, it is possible the Celtics take a game. Uh, yeah, because like you said, the Boston crowd, you know, if they get Tatum going, if he gets hot, yeah. I think I think they can have a, they can take a game if he gets hot. You know, he if Tatum himself has a big night, I think that's the key for the Celtics, and that that's really the only way I see them taking a game. Tatum, in my opinion, is the closest thing right now in the NBA to what Kobe was. Maybe not mm-hmm. the mentality, but just as far as the skill set, the right, size, the, the game itself. If the jump shot's not available, he'll go down low. And I think that if you do have a Kobe 2.0 playing in a playoff game, you know, then possibly he does steal one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. But I mean, I think he needs a little more help, uh, especially with Brown out yeah. now. I mean, he doesn't really have a lot to work with. Yeah, he's looking for 20 from Kemba and 20 from Marcus Smart, and maybe they can pull out a win. Yeah, right. and Ken Kemba this season is, uh, I, I don't know what you to know. say about Kemba. I mean, he has improved, don't get me wrong, but uh, I, I don't know. We, we don't know what the guy. 
this season, especially, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of Kemba. And, and of course this season, their defense has uh, uh, drastically went down. Mm -hmm. It's, it's wasn't a fun season for them. It was not a fun season. They had to deal with COVID early on. Uh, You know, they did not have a, a great season. They didn't. And, it's it's just they, they should just be happy that they're here in the playoffs you know they should they should be happy that they made the playoffs at all I, I, but that's it i i don't think they're, they're going they're not going anywhere not getting out of the first round not getting a second game no. that's it it's, it's gonna be a five game series that, that's yeah. all it is uh so how about the bucks and heat this is going to be an interesting series milwaukee against miami uh, last year, we saw this matchup in round two. Miami took it all the way home, went to the finals. Uh, who you got, Matthew? Who, uh, is Milwaukee getting revenge, or is it still Miami as a dark horse team? Milwaukee is very much getting revenge. I think we all saw the Heat get off to a pretty slow start. And everybody, at least myself, I had pretty lofty expectations. They went on a crazy Cinderella run, made the finals. And I don't know if they put up the best fight against the Lakers, but they dominated in the East. And I think we've seen Milwaukee maybe not be as dominant as they were before. They're obviously not the de facto one seed this year, but I think they've still been pretty dominant. You have Giannis. I honestly believe he's playing at an MVP level. I just think this year, because of voter fatigue and because of more qualified candidates, he's not going to get the award. Obviously, he's not even a finalist, and he didn't deserve to be but he is playing at a really, really high level. And I think in general, you still have a really dangerous team with very few people slumping to the extent that he players have been. So I think it will be a little bit more competitive. I don't think it's as one-sided as our last two matchups, but I very much think it's Milwaukee. I'll say six games though, just because I think that he can definitely put up a fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I see two different teams, the Bucks and the Heat. The Bucks, I see a team that uh, has, in recent years has fallen apart in the playoffs every year, year after year. Uh, and they've got Mike Budenholzer there, and he, he hasn't done anything about that in the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, they have made some changes to the roster. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that's, that's going to change anything, really. It's just their offense that revolves around Giannis. I think that's that's the major problem. I think their offense is not complex enough. Um, now the Heat, the Heat, to me are a team that's built for the playoffs. They they've got their veterans. They've got the young guys. They've got the right coach for the job. They they're a two way team. They got a. a Great guys for the offensive side. Great guys for the defensive side. They can score. They can uh, they can pass the ball around. Uh, you know, Eric Spolstra, Eric Spolstra is gonna you know scheme something up to stop the Bucks. I think the Heat are built for the playoffs. So really, in a playoff situation, in a seven game series, I think the Heat are taking it. I think the Heat. Are, mm-hmm. it, it may go to seven, may go to six or seven. You know, but the Heat are gonna take it. What do you think, David? Well, that's a bull take. I, I think it's I think it's well reasoned. I think that the Bucks ultimately have the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I think he's gonna will it where he's not gonna get ousted in the first round. He just he can't afford it. Um so I see the Bucks walking away in seven, and if they get lucky on a bounce of a shot, then maybe six. 
But I, I think that the Heat is – they're going to be mentally exhausting for the Bucks. They're going to be physically exhausting for the Bucks. I think whoever – I'm not sure what the brackets look like, but whoever catches the Bucks in the next round will, will catch a very exhausted fighter. It's the Nets. The Nets are going to they're going to catch the Bucks. The, the, then I really? think the Nets will eviscerate them, yeah. Only if the Nets win. We, we don't know that for sure. Well, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say the Nets will advance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, David Slama, net, uh, sure. Bucks, Bucks Heat, who you got? Ah, oh man, this is a tough one. This is a real tough one for me. Um, I don't, I look, I, I think I'm gonna go with the Bucks for this one. Uh, I mean, their, their defense, with especially with the addition of PJ Tucker, uh, I think should help them a lot. Um, and I don't know, for some reason, I I just, I just think Milwaukee's going to pull out with this one. I, I don't know why. I just see the, the Bucks winning in like seven. That's just, I don't know. I, I want to, something's telling me like, hey, listen, I, I think, I think Miami's going to win because you know Butler on bio. But uh, I mean, look at, I, we had Harry Chaz on a couple, a couple episodes ago, and he was like, you know, the Bucks aren't going to go anywhere. They always, they're the same first round exit every year or second round exit, but. I don't know. For some reason, I just think the Bucks have the advantage over the Heat this season um, in the series. Um, I think the size is definitely something that the Heat are going to have a problem with, um, and the defense as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, Miami, the Mi- Miami Heat and their defense under Eric Spolstra is phenomenal. But for some reason, I just have Milwaukee winning it. So yeah, I don't know. Okay. Wow. So I'm outnumbered here. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's see. Let's wait and see, baby. Uh, Knicks Hawks, four five. This is a tough series. Uh, David Jalovitz, Knicks Hawks. How many games? Who you got? Well, I'm really rooting for the Knicks. Honestly, I'm really, really, I'm really, really rooting for the Knicks. Um, I see the Knicks winning it in six or seven. Mm-hmm. And I say seven because if they have a look, it can come down to a sloppy possession where you give right. it away and Trey Young hits a, a fall away three. I think that that Young is a turnover machine. I had him in fantasy. He he's not very accurate. He's shooting like shit for a long time. Um, and I think that the defensive team I think will rattle him in 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 that. So so I, I can see the Knicks walking away in six or seven. Yeah, uh, I think I, I definitely agree with you there. The Knicks have beaten the Hawks in all three of their their season series games. They're three, you know, against the Hawks this season. Uh, so I I think you know the Knicks are going to play harder, much harder than the Hawks. The Hawks are are going to uh, you know shoot a lot of threes. Trey Young is going to turn the ball over. Um, I I think a, the big problem for them though is going to be Clint Capella. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, what do you think? How are they going to handle Capella? David Salama. Uh, yeah, so I, I remember speaking to you, Solomon, and I was saying that I think the Knicks are going to have uh, problem, more problems with Clint Capella, um, you know, than Trey Young because, I mean, Capella's, you know, a rebounding machine, a block, a, a block monster, um, and a pick and roll master. Uh, and when you pair him with a guy like Trey Young, uh, I mean, uh, they're going to be a pretty tough duo to guard. That's one. And two, the Knicks only have Nerlens Noel 
uh, to pretty much keep up with him. I don't know if Taj Gibson is going to be enough to stop a guy like Capella. So I think the big man, uh, like I, I think that's going to be a problem for the Knicks more than Trey Young and more than the other pieces that they have. Um, but the one thing about the Hawks also to point out real quick is that they they have depth. They have a lot of pieces. They have guys like Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. Gallinari. Uh, well, Reddish isn't going to be in. Collins. They, they just Lou Williams. They have a lot to work with. They really do. So I mean. It's not only Trey Young. You know, I know Trey Young is the face of that team, but I think uh, a guy to worry about or a guy the Knicks should worry about this season, as you said, this series, as you said, is Clint Capella. Um, yeah, I, there was one game this season where he had like 20 plus boards. Uh, Sam, when you were telling me about this, <clears throat> like five plus blocks. So he's, he's going to be a monster. Yeah. He's going to be a different breed in the playoffs. So yeah, he's the guy to worry about, in my opinion. Right. I th- yeah, I think, he had, I think he had a 25-25 game. Yeah, he had a 25-25 game, and then there was uh, another game. He had 10 blocks. He had 10 blocks. Uh, Matthew, what do you think? Do you think that uh, Capella is, is going to, you know, cause some problems for the Knicks? So you think that, you know, because also Tom Thibodeau, uh, we heard from Tom Thibodeau that we might see some Frank Nilkina in the playoffs. So uh, he's going to help them out on the defensive end, but... Uh, he won't be able to help with uh, Capella as much. Uh, so what do you think, Matthew? I very much think Capella will cause them problems. You, we, you were just talking about 10 blocks in a game, a 25-25 game. And these are insane. And I just don't know if the Knicks have the size and the physicality to match up against a really big guy who really excels in his role as well. So I think he's going to dominate. But I think whenever you're evaluating the series, you have to look at the best players from each team. I listen to these stats. Obviously, only three games this year, but Julius Randle, easily the best player on the Knicks, averaged 37.3 points, 12.3 rebounds, 6.7 assists, shooting 58% from the field and 50% from three. Absolutely dominated. And then on the flip side, you look at Trey Young, the de facto best guy in the Hawks, 24.7 points, but on 36.2 shooting and 21.43% shooting. And that's what worse than he normally does. So I think obviously very small sample size, which is why I don't think it's going to be a sweep, but we're talking about the two best players in the court. One of them's had tremendous success. The other one struggled a lot. And I think that just due to that factor, I think they're going to come away with it. But like you said, Capella will cause a lot of issues and I can easily see it going to six or seven games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Six or seven games. Uh, That's uh, seems to be the all around tally here. Uh, so we all agree. That's good. Uh, and on a good note, that's uh, uh, Jalovitz. Did I ask you? Yeah, I asked you about the yeah, six or seven. Yeah, six or seven, right? Yeah, so uh, uh, we're all in agreement here. All right, very good. Uh, so with that, that's, uh, that's the time we have today. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, and uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram to all the listeners at the Sporting DSM. And uh, take a look at our merch at sportingdsm.com. And uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you, Matthew and uh, David Jalovitz. Thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, this is Solomon signing off. Thank you. Always happy to be here. All right. Thank you. Uh, This is Solomon signing off. Have a good one. Bye, dudes. Nice meeting you, Matthew. Good meeting you. I'll see you in the Western Conference.